When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You are listening to Over and Back's Basketball Mysteries of the 1970s. Today's mystery is, what are the most spectacular 1970s performances? All right, we are back. I am Jason. With me as usual is Rich, and we are talking about the most impressive performances of the 1970s. We, the, the, if you scored a spectacular amount or you had a lot of rebounds or had a lot of assists or just kind of did it all, you're going to be here on this list. Absolutely. Yeah. One way or another. Um, or you just have an odd line as well. We're going to put you on this list as well. But these are these are really I mean, a lot of these are just incredible when, when you look at them in, in, in totality and especially some of these ABA ones that we'll talk about. Just just incredible, you know, individual performances and just fun little stories behind a lot of these individual performances as well. So we'll, we'll talk about them. Yes. So the uh, the, fir- the first one that we made a uh, noteworthy from uh, uh, December 22nd, 1970, Dan is so 40 points, 29 rebounds, the Colonels winning 116 110 over the uh, condors didn't really find much more about this one but that's uh, uh, certainly a pretty almost almost a 40 30 game for uh, Issel, which is uh, uh you know he was always a scorer but rebounder you know he was good but never quite that spectacular yeah, uh, March 6, 1971, here's an ABA one. Stu Johnson, he sets the ABA scoring record with 62 points against the Floridians. Uh, this is March, uh, of course, of 1971. Uh, the night prior, he scored three <laughs> against the Virginia Squires. So uh, he got a hot hand that night. Uh, you know, co- uh, Coach Bob Bass of the Floridians says we tried four or five guys in him. He just couldn't be stopped. So that's a nice little uh, yeah. change there. Three points to 62, not bad. Yeah, Stu Johnson described in uh, Loose Balls as just sort of a guy who was uh, like no defense at all, was, you know, was, was, and, and not really. <laughs> that hard of a worker but was able to uh you'd ha- have one one night where everything was working for him, at least the scoring wise Absolutely. Uh, next one is 1972, February 21st, 1972, and it's Zelmo Beatty, and he's got 63 points and 15 rebounds in this one. So his uh, 63, of course, beat the old record, Stu Johnson of 62. Uh, and there's some great quotes here. This is a Google News um, article that I grabbed from the you know that night. Uh, I knew I was within reach of the record when they started passing up good shots to get me the ball inside. Of course, he was a Utah star at this point. Uh, that's the kind of team this is. I don't think I would have broken the record if my teammates hadn't pushed me to it. Uh, the Pittsburgh Condors, who 
who Zelmo's stars were facing, uh, fell back on defense when Beatty was within one basket of the record. Stars guard Mike Butler yet to, uh, yelled to the Condor's goose, Jim Ligon, let him make it, Ligon, <laughs> and Ligon, let him make it. So <laughs> Beatty broke the record. Uh, and then Beatty was quoted as saying, I would have done the same thing myself. So, yeah, not much competition. <laughs> like, this was in, like, a newspaper article, and nobody seemed to care, which I thought was pretty interesting. It was, like, the, the guy that wrote the story was just like, oh, yeah, whatever. I mean, like, that's what happened. They let him score, and they let him set the record. So it's it's kind of funny, you know. It's they, they, the old, you know, we, we tend to think that today's NBA, oh, they just get along, and they, you know, do, you know, they like each other too much. But, hey, this is, a, you know, 1970s. They're like, hey, whatever. Break the record. Who cares? Yeah. You're beating us anyway, so who cares? Yeah, the, so just do it. So. The Condor is not exactly known for their uh, <laughs> no. professionalism at that point either way. So, <laughs> no. you know, yeah. So, yeah, their checks, they probably hadn't gotten paid in, like, two months. So they probably did not care <laughs> right. yeah. what was happening to them. So yeah. uh, now another one, Larry Miller scores 67 March 18th, 1972 is the Memphis pros versus the Carolina Cougars, uh, Carolina forward, Larry Miller scored an ABA record 67 points. Uh, this is noteworthy as Miller, who was a good scorer, wasn't exactly known for his offensive explosion, decent score, but not like, you know, not 67. That's, you know, in 1971, season, he had scored 30 plus points only five times. Uh, and after his 67 that year, his uh, highest single game output for that entire season was only 35 so he's not like a guy that's known for you know going 40 or 50 a lot but he just exploded for 67 here and much like you mentioned the uh, condors the mfs pro is also not well known for their defense or trying or professionalism so yeah so um uh, 73 um november of 73 elvin hayes for the capital bolts who he just recently joined 43 points 32 rebounds against the atlanta hawks it was his 28th birthday as well so happy birthday elvin hayes <laughs> Uh, and uh, not to be outdone, um, a few months later, in January of 74, George McGinnis of the ABA, 52 points, 37 rebounds. Which is, <laughs> I love that line. Yes. That might be one of my favorite stat lines ever. It's just like four, almost nearly 40 rebounds and then 52 points. Now, now Mark Monteithan, I'm not 100% sure if it was this game, but he told me about games in which um, McGinnis would basically toss the ball up and to himself to, to, to get rebounds. Well, so hey, uh, if Bob Sura can do it, so can George McGinnis. Yeah, so you know what? Hey, there you go. Yeah. Uh, and um, not even a month later, um, in 74 february 74 artist gilmore 21 points 40 rebounds which i believe set the aba record for rebounds in a uh, uh colonel's domination of the nets so that was a that was a pretty good one and, and dr j played in that game and uh but uh gilmore still able to have a 40 rebounds of course irving great rebounder but gonna have anyone's gonna have a hard time against gilmore and um March of uh, 74, Rick Barry scoring 64 points against the uh, Trailblazers, which was his career high and one of uh, four 60 plus point games in the NBA um, uh, during the decade. Yeah, so this is uh, October 18th, 1974. This is Nate Thurman's quadruple-double. We've uh, we've talked about this in a few different episodes as well. Uh, 22 points, 14 rebounds, 13 assists, 12 blocks. And this was a, uh, a Bulls 120, Hawks 115 overtime. Uh, this is really good because there's a little bit of detail about this. Uh, there's an article on uh, the Bulls.com. I think they were celebrating their 50th anniversary. I had a chance to actually interview Thurman about this uh, before uh, he, he died. Uh, this is the first uh, quadruple-double in NBA history. Uh, even though Thurman admitted guys before him, like Russell, and Will would have had a bunch, but of course, you know, the, the record keeping of, of blocks wasn't great. So he, he, even after the game said, Hey, you know, this is a big deal for me, but I'm sure guys that I've played with before, I, I know for a fact that Russell and Will would have had a bunch of these as well. But, uh, these are some really good quotes from Thurman about it. Um, 
Uh, but you and I know, and any good basketball fan knows, that there were plenty of quadruple doubles back in the 1960s. When I first came in the league, I played alongside Will Chamberlain, and there were nights he and I were playing volleyball out there on the floor, blocking, uh, blocking shots, deflecting passes, tipping rebounds. So it's fairly obvious that Will had plenty of chances to get double figures in four categories. Uh, and what's interesting as well is this is the first game uh, of Nate Thurman's Bulls career. So it started off on a, a nice little foot. Uh, he says he was climbing up the stairs up to the court and hearing the home crowd yell my name was an unforgettable memory. Uh, because of the holdouts, we had a starting lineup much different from what you'd imagine. Imagine uh, Norman Van Leer, and this is uh, an interesting, you know, time period as well. There was an NBA holdout going on, or an NBA lockout, in a, in a sense, where guys were, were not coming to play. So, uh, Norman Van Leer was replaced at point guard by Rick Adelman, of course, uh, future coach Rick Adelman. Uh, Bob Love's forward spot went to Matt Gukas. Uh, and talk about a starting five with a high basketball IQ. This is a quote from uh, Nate Thurman. Uh, right there, you had three future NBA coaches, plus there was Chet Walker, who could have gone far uh, in a career as a bench, as well as me. So, Nate Thurman just saying that I had a perfect, you know, storm of, of just a smart smart lineup and then uh one thing he says uh, one thing i distinctly remember was going back to my apartment after the game i was just dead so yeah not a bad way to start your uh, your career there nate but uh, yeah. not, not a bad now i since we did an episode Bulls career just to me just to clarify right <laughs> it's Bulls career. yes since we did uh the episode on country principles there there's been one there's there's reportedly a game from uh 1960 eight i believe 67 or 68 um where chamberlain is supposedly supposed to have had uh 54 points 36 rebounds 14 assists 24 blocks and 11 steals and uh, 24 blocks is obviously the the one that's insane there but a quintuple double the other numbers are more believable 24 blocks which of course wasn't even being kept track in um in the late 60s um is questionable but then again uh, you know, well, let's score 100 points in a game. So I guess the idea that he may have had 24 blocks in a game, I'm willing to concede it's possible. So that uh, adding to the, the the games in which you know, guys possibly had crazy, you know, quadruple doubles or even better in the 60s, that's another one that's at least part of the myth, if not the reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and coming just short of a quadruple double, uh, Rick Barry in just uh, 11 days afterward, he had 30 points, 10 rebounds, 11 assists and nine steals for the, uh, Warriors in a, uh, a blowout over the uh, Buffalo Braves. So uh, that one was interesting. There's also, um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's first, uh, triple double, uh, well, I, I should I'm not sure if it's the first triple though, but uh, the last uh, recorded 50 point triple double in uh, NBA history, 50 points, 15 rebounds, 11 assists, three blocks and one steal. And it was the first regular season meeting between uh, Kareem and Bill Walton. So uh, this is apparently the sixth and last uh, triple double in NBA, 50 point triple double in in NBA history. Uh, LeBron had one that was taken away a few years ago uh, because there was some sort of bogus record keeping. But um, that's pretty crazy. And Walton only had seven points in the Blazers loss. So Kareem certainly won the first meeting uh, between Mm -hmm. the two. And what we have uh, we've in a few episodes talked about that the Kareem uh, Bill Walton you know matchup and 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 rivalry and, and then this is kind of a theme that like one of the two would really deliver and the other one would just kind of or the games would just not be very but we'll we'll talk about that in a uh, in episode uh, as well yes. uh, in, in a little bit more detail so move on to uh, February 1975 this is Julius Irving uh, four overtime games 63 points 23 rebounds eight assists the Conquistadors defeated the Nets 176 to 166 in four overtimes uh, this is a, a huge San Diego sports arena crowd of 
uh, a little under 3,000, yes. but that's all right because they witnessed a four overtime thrower that saw the uh, San Diego, of course, you, you know, win by the, uh, the the 10 point margin, which is also great too. It's a four overtime win that you know you win by 10. So uh, the game featured 72 personal fouls and 128 rebounds. Uh, Irving was quoted as saying, "It's disheartening to lose when you put so much into it." Uh, he played 66 of the 68 minutes and he made 25 of 51 shots and pulled down 23 of the Nets' 57 rebounds. He said, "I hope I'm never in one. Uh, I hope I'm never in one like this again." Unless we win, so just and if we win, uh, you know maybe, but yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to play four overtimes and play sixty-eight minutes and 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 lose. That's no fun. Uh, and the scoring total remained a uh, a record until December thirteenth, nineteen eighty-three, when of course the Detroit Pistons, led by Isaiah Thomas's forty-seven points, squeaked past the Nuggets one eighty-six to one eighty-four in a triple overtime game in Denver, and that was the peak of the you know run and gun Denver Nuggets teams as well. So yeah, absolutely. Um, and the Pistons like to play fast uh, during the, that time as well before the uh, bad boy season, of course. Mm-hmm. Which um, we talked about before, the the myth that they were always just a grinded out team. They weren't. They they love to run. But right. Then, you know. Yeah. Um, so um, February seventy five, George McGinnis, uh, forty one points, twenty five rebounds, thirteen assists, in a Pacers win over the accused. He actually had quite a few uh, triple doubles uh, during the season and a lot of quadruple doubles, but they were for turnovers. Um, he had um, he had a fifty one point, seventeen rebounds, ten assists. Um, and later 32 points 23 rebounds 14 assists 11 turnovers um and another game of 26 points 14 rebounds 10 assists and uh, 12 turnovers and this was this was all during the playoff series in uh the the pacers playoff run in 75 where they uh battled against the spurs the nuggets uh, beat both of them and then fell to the colonels uh so he had five of his triple doubles against the spurs and the uh, nuggets and uh and four of those were uh quadruple doubles but with turnovers so that was a, a pretty amazing run for uh, McGinnis uh, during that time. He also had a another um, triple double in his playoff career, where he had 29 points, 14 rebounds, and 10 assists in 74 against um, Utah. So he was a triple double uh, machine uh, during the uh, 74 and uh, 75 uh, seasons before he, uh, uh, before before he headed to the uh, NBA. And also some other uh, big ones from 75, Marvin Barnes, 54 points, 23 rebounds. Uh, it's unknown whether this is the, of course, the famous game in which he either the, the famous game in which he uh, appeared there on a flight or uh, where he chartered a flight after he missed the team flight uh, several times or whether the one where after he ate a you know huge thing of hamburgers and fries before going out there. But you know, it, it doesn't <laughs> matter. Any Marvin Barnes story is good. Um Moses Malone in April 75, so his rookie season, uh, 30.32 rebounds, kind of showing the potential that he would later have. Um, Artis Gilmore in Game 3 of the ABA Finals against the uh, Pacers, uh, 41 points, 28 rebounds, leading his team to a win. The Colonels would win that series uh, and uh, win, the cha- win their only championship in the ABA. Uh, January 1976, Bill Walton had 36 points, and he was 16 of 17 from the floor. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't find a whole lot more details about this, but uh, not a bad little line if that, that is true. Yeah, 36 with 16 of 14 from the floor. Yeah, that'll do. Yeah, and that's, of course, this is the 76 season before, you know, the Blazers actually really get really good. Right. He really, you know, he, he obviously uh, performed well when healthy. It was more the issue with the injuries during the, during the time for the first couple of years. Uh, also from 76, uh, in the NBA Finals, Dave Cowens, 25 points, 20 rebounds, 
and uh, 10 assists against the uh, Suns in uh, in that final. I believe that's during the uh, triple overtime uh, game in uh, game six. So so it's quite a standout is there um, in the 77 season. Uh, Sven Nader coming over from the uh, ABA. He was actually a free agent uh, because he had been with the Squires. He wasn't a um, hadn't been even part of the expansion draft and was still uh, showed that he could be a contributor with 30 points and 33 rebounds for the Bucks against the Hawks. Uh, Pistol Pete, this is uh, February 25th, 1977. He has 68 points versus the Knicks, uh, which think about that again, 68 points without a three-point line for a guard in this area. It's not that easy to do. So it uh, also helps, too, that he faced a team of Hall of Famers in Earl Monroe, Bob McAdoo, Bill Bradley, and Walt Frazier. So yeah, just, uh, again, incredible. Another incredible part about this game is that Maravich fouled out with a minute left in the game, uh, and afterwards, in a quote, said, I could have scored more. I missed a lot of easy shots early in the game. So uh, as an encore, Maravich scored 40 points in his next game, which gave him a three-game total um, of 148 points, when you or 46 points, rather, when you when you match up uh, his last three games. So just uh, an incredible run there. But yeah, 68 as a guard against the Knicks when you fall out with a minute left is, is pretty impressive. Yeah, <laughs> so. and it's funny because, like, Monroe and Frazier argue about having to guard him like they both want like like Frazier's like hey you know why don't you take can you take him and then and he's like yeah you're the defensive <laughs> expert you take him you know kind of right. kind of thing and and you know um, Dean Meminger who had uh, made life difficult for Maravich before you know Maravich burned him as well so it was kind of a way of a cathartic thing for Maravich and this was kind of a, like part of a stretch of about a, a, a year or so where Maravich actually played really well for the jazz and they were starting to look like they would um you know be a, a team that would be able to uh make some noise before injuries kind of stop that for him but that was kind of like the the one really solid stretch for maravich during you know his career which of course in the nba was up and down for various reasons yeah uh game seven of the 77 finals for bill walton um 20 points 23 rebounds seven assists and eight blocks uh irving had a great stat line with 40 points in that game as well and, and, and filled the box score as well and um uh february 78 uh, kareem abdul uh 37 points 30 rebounds in a lakers uh win over the uh, nets uh i believe the only 30 uh 30 game of his career uh pretty a standout game of course and then um just a couple months before one of the most famous games in uh, NBA history. Yes, this is April 9th, 1978. This is uh, David Thompson and George Gerving uh, doing their scoring duel. And of course, this is a super busy day in, in, in NBA history because uh, John Havlicek was retiring as well. This was the game of his retirement, and this almost completely overshadowed that. Uh, it was the final day of the regular season featuring a, a, an incredible climax to a season-long duel uh, between Gervin and David Thompson for the league scoring title. Uh, the Nuggets played an afternoon game against Detroit, and Thompson blistered the Pistons for 73 points. Uh, the, Nuggets won, uh, the Nuggets won uh, 139 to 137. Uh, Thompson's point total was the third highest in league history. Only Wilt Chamberlain with games of 178 had scored scored more in a single contest. So Gervin on the same night, um, you, you know, he was in New Orleans against the Jazz. Uh, the Iceman needed 58 points to claim the titles. Uh, he accumulated 20 of the Spurs' 33 points in the first period. In the second, he added 33 to set an NBA single-period record. Uh, with more than 10 minutes remaining in the third period, uh, Gervin sank a 10-foot jump shot to reach 59 points and take the title. Uh, Coach Mo took uh, Gervin out of the game to a standing ovation. The Iceman returned later to add four more points, because why the hell not, uh, and finished with 63 on 23 of 49 shooting from the field. Uh, then, of course, Gervin edged out 
uh, Thompson uh, by the thinnest of margins for the scoring title uh, for the season. Gervin averaged 27.22 to Thompson's 27.15. So yeah. uh, it's really cool that both guys were aware of the record as well and the coaches and the crowd, and all that sort of stuff. That's that's always things I enjoy. I mean, yeah, it's kind of like posturing and it, maybe it's against the competitiveness of the game. But I like the idea that like they're battling for decimal points of point per game totals, which is I, I just find that fascinating. So I was all. I was cool with it. Yeah, it, it, it'd be different. I mean, it, it's in a, you know, the, these games are meaningless other than that. So it's not, uh, You're right, I don't exactly. find it some offensive, but it's amazing. He had 59 points with uh, 10 minutes left in the third period. So there were, you know, there were 22 minutes of game time left and he already 59 points. I mean, you know, certainly uh, he could have, you know, he, he could have gone for a lot more than 63 probably if he had wanted to, or, if, you know, the coach had wanted him to. So I, I, I found that interesting. Um because he played like 33 minutes in that game, you know, so he certainly had uh, opportunity to, to play more um, than that. Um, so um, February 79, Moses Malone, 33 points, 37 rebounds, 19 of those offensive in a Rockets win over the uh, Jazz. Um, and uh, another one about a month later, really interesting. Kevin Porter, 30 points, 25 assists. The Pistons beat the Celtics 160 to 119, which had to be uh, definitely an eight year for the uh, Celtics franchise, uh, losing to the Pistons, <laughs> who were no great shakes during then. And between February 24th and 78 and March 23rd of 1980, Porter had 23 or more assists six times, including breaking the single game record with 29 um, on uh, on February 24th of 78, uh, which it broke the record from by Kuzi and uh, Guy Rogers. And Porter played with three different franchises uh, during this time. Um, uh, the the Pistons, the Bullets, and the Annette. So very, uh, kind of a strange time for him. But he he actually broke the uh, single season assists record uh, during the season. Um, just had a weird, really weird. You, between him and Stockton, you know they they take up the you, know, you look at the guys with more than twenty three assists, and uh, you know they have almost half the number of seasons. Um, between Porter did six times, Stockton did it ten times, and. Um, and Magic Johnson did it six times. So, you know, there are uh, relatively few, uh, you know, 22 different players have done that. And, and they have it's happened 39 times. So the, those three guys have done it just about half the amount of times in which it's ever mm -hmm. been done. So so pretty impressive there. And Kevin Porter, of course, not necessarily the guy, you know, the between Magic Johnson, and John Stockton, Kevin Porter, definitely not as well known. But he at least in terms of assists, he was able to uh, to, uh, you know, be up there with them, at least for Absolutely. a small period of time. And uh, Robert Parrish, also part of the 30-30 club um, in uh, March of 79, uh, 30 points, 32 rebounds for the Warriors uh, against the Knicks. He would be soon to be traded to the uh, Celtics going on there. But uh, maybe the uh, maybe the Warriors should have known that uh, Parrish would not have been a good guy to, um, you know, to get rid of based on that. And um, I just love the idea that Parrish played with like, like these guys are his contemporaries. And then he also played with like Kobe. You know what I mean? Right. Like, exactly. like, it's the best, like playing to like the six degrees of separation with Robert Parrish is like the easiest thing in the world to do because the guy played for, you know, th three decades. So it's just super easy to be like, because I mean, it was in the mid like mid 90s. He's still playing. Like, I love it. That's why I love Robert Parrish. He's my favorite ever. Yes. So um, at, so this is December of 79. So it's technically the 80 season. But, we're, you know, we're going to go ahead and go with it. Uh, Julius Irving, 28.7 rebounds, 10 assists, five steals, five blocks. 
it is the only known five by five game pre-1987, at least in the NBA. So that's a, um, a pretty in- impressive stat mark. Of course, steals and blocks only tracks in 74, but the only known game where somebody reached five by five during that time. So that's a uh, that's kind of a neat stat. Impressive. Yeah. And then uh, here's just a little uh, tidbit of uh, 50 point playoff games in the NBA and ABA in the 70s. Uh, April 1970, Billy Cunningham uh, gets 50 points. The Bucks, though, beats uh, the 76ers 118 to 111 in the Eastern Division semis. Uh, this is April 1970. Rick Barry gets 52. Uh, in another loss, the Rockets beats the Capitals uh, 143 to 119. Uh, Roger Brown uh, of the ABA, and this is in May of 1970, he has 53 points. The Pacers, though, do win. Uh, one 142 to 120 uh april 1972 rick barry 50 uh the nets win 112 to 108 uh april 1972 again julius irving with 53 points the squires to beat the floridians 118 to 113 uh april 1973 john havlicek gets 54 for the nba's uh, boston celtics and a win over the hawks uh 134 109 uh april again <laughs> uh well it's the playoffs so i mean that makes sense but uh, april just in case you're, you're curious why they're all in april and some in may uh april uh, 1975, Bob, uh, Bob McAdoo, 50 points. Uh, the Braves defeat the Bullets, uh, 108 to 102. And then 1976, again, April, Bob McAdoo, 51 points. Braves, 124 to the uh, defeating the 76ers, 123 in overtime. So one point overtime victory. But there's your uh, 50 points, ABA and NBA playoff games in the 1970s. So. Yes, and uh, the Bob McAdoo ones were exactly one year apart. So both April... Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. the 18th. Nice. <laughs> he saved it, saved his best for... Uh, and both in wins, so there you go. Yes, and that... Uh, the, the Rick Barry, the, the Capitals-Rockets series uh, is notorious for uh, Rick Barry uh, getting involved in a uh, in a brawl toward the end of that series after it was apparent that the Rockets were going to be able to win it and getting uh, kicked out of the game. So... Uh, mm-hmm. um, Spencer Haywood also involved in that game. So that's uh, a little fun trivia there. Um, So anything else, Rich? That's about it. But uh, this is another one we we mentioned on a few shows that I encourage if people do remember a stat line, if there's one that they remember to definitely reach out to us and and let us know. And we'll we'll, we'll at least try to give it uh, some credit because we we try to do as much digging and whatnot to find the best of the best here. But we probably did miss some. So, yeah, if there's one that you know of, oh, no, you got to you missed, you know, this great performance. Please let us know. We, we don't care. Yeah. And we're going to uh, be doing a final episode covering some things that we you know, either didn't have a chance to get to or if in any of our episodes, if you feel like, oh, there's just something you guys missed, some sort of point that we overlooked. You this uh, obviously the 70s are a big decade and there are just things that we're going to miss. So if there's anything that you, uh, you think that you'd like just like to hear us talk about, then uh, you can um, find us on Facebook and uh, Twitter at over and back NBA. Leave a comment comment on uh, the show notes we'll we'll find it there or however you want to get in touch with us uh, those are the uh, best ways we're at harborparoxism.com and you can uh, leave us a rating and review on uh, itunes or stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcast we appreciate you listening and hopefully you enjoy what we're doing so uh, thanks for listening and we'll be back again soon
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.